A warm greetings to Galaxy listeners. Welcome to the Black Book Show on Galaxy Radio, Galaxy Afiri Station, the only de-brainwashing station. I'm McConnell Sankofa, host of the Black Book Show. I'm also author of the books, The Rise of Rastafari, Resistance, Redemption and Repatriation, Life in Gambia, The Smiling Coast of Africa, and How to Market and Sell Your Book, A Guide for Beginners. In case you're new to The Black Book Show or indeed new to Galaxy, The Black Book Show is a show that takes place every other Saturday between 6 and 8pm GMT UK time where I interview a variety of authors of African heritage from around the world. In this episode of The Black Book Show, I'll be interviewing authors Karen Vaughan, Vachero Adams and Ife Michelle Milligan. I am now joined by Karen Vaughan, who is the author of the book called The Essence of a Woman, Bold, Beautiful and Resilient. Karen, please introduce yourself to the listeners on the Black Book Show. Hello, my name is Karen Vaughan and um, I am previously a healthcare worker who transitioned into the marketing and public relations arena. And currently, I am an author. I'm a new author. And um, I'm so excited about this because this has been a dream of mine for a couple of years now. And it finally came to fruition. And um, the reason I wrote this book, The Essence of a Woman, is because I strongly believe we all need to reconnect with our inner being. And we need to realize that we have the power of choice to determine our own destinies. And if we choose to cooperate with the plans that um, you know the creator has for us, then we will definitely come out victorious. And um, I would love for everyone to take a look at their lives and realize that whatever they have encountered on their journey throughout their life, it has helped them to mold, uh, to mold them and it has allowed them to become the person they are today. Um, For me, it helped me to become more resilient. And um, as we all know, the essence of a woman is a strong person, courageous, um, victorious, and uh, we're nurturers by nature. And so um, I'm so happy to be on the show today. And um, McKinnon invited me to just tell everyone about, you know, my story. And um, this is the reason I'm on here today. So please, can you give an overview of your book, The Essence of a Woman? Yes, the book um, was written to inspire those who feel overwhelmed by obstacles or adversities in their life. And um, As women, we particularly need to realize that uh, we're strong and we can overcome all difficulties or obstacles that comes our way. And um, we sometimes feel that our womanhood is tested, especially, you know, when we encounter trials and tribulations in our lives. But the way that we're able to respond to these adversities, it makes us a better woman. And this is what makes us stronger. So I want the audience to get more insight into the book you've written. Please, can you give a brief summary of the different chapters that are included in your book? 
Yes. The first chapter that I wrote about is identifying yourself. We all need to know who we are, what we're made up of, um, how we see ourselves. Um, a, lot of, a lot of times we, we all have difficulties, you know, um, identifying who we are. And um, we have to be familiar with ourselves to be able to know what our needs are. And um, I have been asked the question countless times when I was younger, and I always had a, a ready and simple answer to give. I said, I'm Karen. I'm the only child of my mother. I do not know my father because he died when I was three years old. And it's simple as that. But for some people, they basically, they have um, problems identifying themselves. And that's chapter one. Okay, now chapter two in the book is establishing relationships. And um, the importance of friendships and relationships. Um, I, I went into detail um, about that. Um, I'm just going to, you know, give like a brief overview of that. Um, establishing friendships uh, to me is very important. And, um, you know, it, there are challenges when it comes to making new friends and maintaining, you know, old friendships. And uh, this is something that we need to uh, get over and we need to know, you know, how we, how we, we can maintain, you know, friendships and maybe develop new ones. Some friendships we have to give up or we just have to, you know, release because maybe where we're going in life, uh, those, those old friendships, uh, you know, they, they, they don't align with, with where we're, we're headed. And so, Sometimes we have to dissolve some friendships, but this was what the second chapter was about. Now, the third chapter was uh, motherhood, um, having a child at a young age um, and, of course, not, not knowing how to cope with life um, after, you know, uh, just having, uh, you know, a child like um, at 16, 17 years old. And so that chapter talks about how I dealt with motherhood at, a, at, early, at an early stage in life. Um, the fourth chapter was about marriage and how um, being married, um, especially being married at a young age, not knowing um, exactly how to cope with, with marriage at such an, you know, an early age. And of course, not having the support system that I thought I would have and not really knowing the person that you, you actually got married to. And um, that was what the fourth chapter was about. The fifth chapter was about raising children and how difficult it was um, to raise, you know, raise children or raising a child. It's just one child, but raising a child, especially when um, you're, you're, you have differences with the father of the child. And of course, you know, your husband going through a divorce. And um, this is what uh, chapter five was. And uh, chapter six was, um, you know, juggling my time, uh, you know, of course, financial problems, um, being single and keeping food on the table for myself and my child, um, just, uh, you know, getting through life, you know, struggling through raising a child and, and, and um, trying to go back to school, you know, to, to finish my education and um, this was what this chapter was about, uh, chapter six. Now, chapter seven was when um, I started to realize that I could invest in myself 
And by going to school, the best gift that you can ever have or you can ever give yourself is to invest in yourself. And so I made the decision, you know, many years ago to go back to college. And it was the best decision that I ever made because when you see yourself as a priceless piece of jewelry, others will try to treat you like, like one, like a priceless piece of jewelry. As a person, you do not need to seek the approval of others. Rather, you can invest in yourself and remember you owe the world, you know, to show them how awesome you are. And so this was what uh, that chapter was about, chapter seven. I invested in myself, went back to school, did very well, got my degrees. And um, of course, you know, it, I took off from there. And then chapter eight is, are you your type's type? Because then, you know, getting a good career, going back to school and everything, you, you, you know, the question you ask yourself as a woman is, are you your type's type? Do you see yourself in someone maybe that you are looking to meet or in a partner, or do you just have unrealistic standards? And so you have to know your standards um, and preferences, and you need to acknowledge it. If you're selling yourself short or if, you're, or if they're unrealistic, what are your preferences? What do you like about the opposite sex? What do you expect from them? Do you know what you're looking for in a relationship? And, um, you know, you, of course, I have standards. Um, every woman, you know, basically should have uh, standards. And um, just, to, just your attitude, you know, your attitude stems from a lack of confidence sometimes. And, um, some people believe they're lucky to get whatever comes their way. And that's a dangerous way to think because as I mentioned before, you have to think that you are, you know, your prized jewelry and um, you, you need to, um, the personality that you're looking for in someone else, you know, once you know who you are and um, you're, you know, you basically look for that in the other person. So this chapter, chapter eight says, are you your type's type? You know, so are you looking for someone who's basically like you or are you looking for the opposite? And that was what that chapter was about. And now chapter nine was when, um, you know, I really found myself and realized that, um, you know, uh, I started thinking more positive, um, you know, uh, started you know, thinking about the, stop thinking, you know, I stopped thinking about negative things. It's what I did. Um, of course, I went through a period also of abuse. So that the last chapter where it says stronger now, um, you know, I said, be careful what you think. Um, because what, whatever you think in your mind, it will show outward, you know, as to how you think of yourself. And so for me, you know, um, going through all those struggles and going through, you know, some, some verbal physical abuse, I came out stronger because I realized that I just needed to, to count on myself. And I know that being a strong woman going through all of that, but coming out victorious, you know, getting my degrees, getting a, a good job, making six figures, you know, um, I realized that I didn't need to depend on anyone else. I could depend on myself. And this is how I've been 
been, um, you know, going through for the last maybe two, three years of my life, I, I realized that all I needed to do was to, um, you know, to, to, to depend on myself, to know that I am strong enough to, to conquer anything and that, you know, I'm intelligent. I, 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 I didn't need anyone to tell me who I was. And um, this was chapter nine. And so what I wanted to say that there is always an inner voice within us, like a gut feeling, you know, which we always need to listen to, especially in questionable times. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the words, have you, you know, ever heard those words, trust your gut? You know, when people say you, you need to learn to listen to your heart and you will thrive. It's the way our inner being speaks to us, you know, um, you know, fast forward to what, what, what is happening today or what happened in 2020, when there was a global pandemic, a chaotic situation, you know, folks were very apprehensive and the economic situation was in the dire, you know, in dire need of a revamp. Um, you know, we, we got, we got scared, we got frightened. And so many people lost their jobs and businesses, you know, and they had to start again from scratch. Many lost loved ones and, you know, they had to recover from that. Um, basically from, you know, what I wanted to say was that our struggles are a part of our success story. So even though these things were happening, you know, with, with, throughout the, you know, with the pandemic and people dying. And I was still able to finish my book, the book that I'd started maybe two, three years ago. And I kept putting it down because I didn't have the courage. I didn't have, you know, to finish it. And once the pandemic hit and I realized what was going on, um, all, you know, people were struggling, losing their jobs. Women were at home with kids and you know, um, I realized I had to finish this book because it, me finishing this book and maybe another young woman who was struggling, you know, the same things that I went through, such as, you know, maybe maybe um, not knowing who she was, um, maybe being married at an early age, um, you know, uh, going through abuse. By me writing my story, and telling them how I was able to overcome my, my difficulties and my adversities, this would help someone else to realize that I can do this as well. And so it brought me to a point where I said I had to finish this book. And I finished it, you know, in, um, in February um, of, of, well, actually it was finished um, last year, uh, November of last year, but it was published in February of this year. And so I just wanted to let everyone know that um, our struggles are part of our success story. And because you fall behind sometimes, it should not deter you from moving forward. A little setback here and there shouldn't be the reason why you haven't realized your goals. We have to treat every disappointment as motivation, and that should steer us towards achieving our goals. Even if we're fearful or embarrassed, you know, because sometimes when we fail, there's, there's, you know, we get, we get fearful, we feel embarrassed. Everyone has experienced failure at one point in their lives. So we have to remember that we're not the first one. And although failure is unpleasant, it is inevitable. And it's what you do after the failure that is important. Like what I did, I went back and I finished my book. Um, you know, I, right now, I, it's on the market. 
and it's doing pretty well. And I am going to be writing another book and it's going to be about, you know, mind, body and spirit. So it's going to be tapping into, you know, your, your inner being, finding out who you really are. And uh, that book I've started writing already. So it, I'm coming out with a second book. And so this is this for this for me is just the start. It's just the beginning of very big things to come. So the title of your book is The Essence of a Woman, Bold, Beautiful and Resilient. What made you come up with that? title particularly the use of the words bold beautiful and resilient and does that define you as a person are you bold beautiful and resilient yes it does because I feel that as I mentioned before going through all these struggles but still being able to maintain my composure and as people said they look at me, they say, I don't even think you've ever went through any of those struggles because you, you look so, you know, you still look beautiful. And so that's how I came up with that slogan, you know, bold, beautiful and resilient. Because as I mentioned, I, I, I came out, you know, I came out on top. So that's resilience because although I went through all those struggles and, uh, and the abuse and, and everything that I went through, um, I still came out, you know, uh, uh, resilient, you know, I was able to, to overcome my obstacles. And that's where the resilience came in. And then the boldness came in, because I said to myself, I'm not going to let anything deter me from finishing what I started finishing my book. And I just, I just uh, pulled through it. And then, you know, and everyone said, well, you don't even look like you went through something like that. And so that they said, you still look, you know, you look so beautiful. You look like nothing ever touched you. And so that's where the beautiful came in. So that, that's where I came up with the bold, beautiful and resilient. So I just want you to uh, elaborate a bit more on you know, some of the obstacles you faced in your life and how you was able to overcome them. Well, um. I was able to overcome the, my obstacles, as I said, because I got married at a young age and uh, I really didn't, um, you know, uh, think about maybe why I did it. You know, it maybe was able to because I wanted to just get out of my parents home. And um, that's the reason I rushed into a marriage not thinking. And so it didn't work out because we were both young and we weren't, we, we, we didn't really know what it takes to be, uh, you know, to be in a, in a, in a marriage. And so it, you know, the, the, it broke, it broke down, everything broke down, um, especially after I had my, my daughter. And so going through all of that, you know, he became very abusive verbally and physically and so um, I was even scared to tell my parents because, you know, they were against it from the beginning. And um, so I had to basically deal with that on my own. And so what I did, I started reading a lot. I started, you know, just trying to get away from it all, you know, to, to get away from the abuse. And um, I just found myself um, meditating more you know, um, started exercising, started doing things to just to get my mind um, in a space where I decided, you know, I could, I could clear my head and make a decision that this was not for me and that I had to get out of it 
and and um, this is what I did. You know, I, I strengthened my myself with meditation, yoga. Um, you know, just just uh, going to classes, um, speaking to people, um, joining you know groups, um, especially groups, uh, women groups that would help help me. You know, strengthen. You know, just realize how strong I was, and that no matter what obstacle I faced, I could you know get over it. So speaking to others that went through similar experiences helped me a lot. And uh, that's how I found my courage to, you know, get up and leave and then started going back to, you know, classes. I signed up at, at, at my college and started taking back my classes and finishing up college and getting my degrees. And so this was how I was able to overcome it. But I think it's, it's your mindset. You have to have a strong mind. You know, a lot of times women go through certain things and they, they're scared to leave. They don't want to leave because maybe they feel more secure having someone there or a partner to help them. You just have to make up your mind that this is what you need to do, especially if it's not a conducive situation and you find yourself, you know, um, being put down all the time and maybe someone even trying to physically abuse you, then you have to leave. You have to make up your mind that this is not what you want. This is, you know, this is, this is not what you need. You're stronger than this and uh, you can overcome it. And this is what I did. I joined groups. I got into, uh, you know, um, friends, you know, I made friends that were able to help me um, just keep a clear head and, and clear mindset and just focus on what I needed to do to get myself out of it. And, and that's what I did. Okay. And I wrote, you know, some of that is also in the book. So I don't want to give up away the whole book and the whole story. But this is this is what I would tell you know someone that found themselves in the same situation I did, um, just to you know keep holding on, um, believe in yourself, um, take classes, uh, meditate every day, strengthen your mind, um, just have a have a, a focal point of where you want to go, how you want to accomplish it, set a goal for yourself, write down uh, points every day, keep a journal and put down five things that you want to accomplish for the day. And once you start accomplishing those five things every day, you'll see that your life just starts changing. You know, you, you, you see the change and then you realize, well, I accomplished this today. I accomplished that and I can do it. I, you know, the strength that we all have inside of us. Sometimes we don't realize, you know, that we have that strength until we start doing certain things and we realize that we can accomplish anything that we put our minds to. Our bodies were built in a certain way um, to accomplish certain things in life. And I believe we all have a, a path in life that, that we're supposed to accomplish before we leave this earth. Everyone, I think, has has a, you know, something that they need to do. And um, you just have to tap into your, into your inner being and you'll find out what you were put here on this earth to do. And I found my strength in writing and in, 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 in meditating, writing and putting my thoughts, you know, down on paper, um, penciling it out, um, just, you know, thinking about what I, I wanna do next, whether you wanna be a, a speaker, 
as well, which I'm trying to get into now. I started doing public speaking. I was on um, the uh, Black CEO uh, panel and uh, Becoming the Best You panel as well. And then next year I'm gonna be um, on a, on a uh, worldwide, well, not, not worldwide stage, but a, a stage here um, in the United States. And it will be shown in the Caribbean islands as well. It's a CW network station that I will be on um, coming up next year. So that's another goal of mine that I had on paper and I'm gonna accomplish it in, um, in the next year. So what advice would you give to others that have a story and are struggling to tell their stories because they are afraid of being judged? Okay, I would tell them, don't, um, don't be afraid of what people are gonna say. Um, about you because people are going to talk regardless people are going to say stuff and you know they may say mean stuff they may say stuff that you might not agree with but once you make up your mind that um you know that this is what you know you your inner being is telling you to do this go ahead and do it don't 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 listen to the outside um you know noise and the outside um clutter, you know, don't listen to anything like that. You just go about doing what, what your, your, you know, what you plan to do, what you, what your goals, what you set your goals um, down to do, wrote down what you want to accomplish. Just go, go full speed ahead and accomplish it because people will talk, but when they see your accomplishments, then they're all going to be coming up and congratulating you. So that's what you need to do. Just focus on yourself, focus on, on your goals and get your accomplishments, you know, focus on what you want to accomplish each day or each month or even for the year. And you'll see people will, they'll talk, but then they'll, they'll be talking about you and, and, and coming to congratulate you and asking you how you did it. So I would say to anyone that, you know, don't be afraid, just go out there and, and uh, give it your best you know, even if you fail, you pick yourself up and you start again. If you have to go over and, and, and redo everything and start all over again, then do that because that's what, you know, you need to do to accomplish your goals. Do you think mental health plays a role in narcissistic behavior? Yes, I, I do believe um, mental health does play a role um, a lot of times, you know, we've gone through childhood traumas that we never, um, we never actually got any kind of counseling or help um, for whatever we went through as a child. And I've, I've known other people um, that have gone through uh, things in their life as a child, you know, even, even um, abuse from their parents or maybe, um, you know, the way they were, they were, uh, you know, the way that they, they, their parents spoke to them as a child and maybe even, you know, used to maybe give them whippings because, you know, like in the islands, not in America, because you're, if you do that, you could call the cops on, on well, the, the, the children call the cops on their parents, but in, in the islands, they were allowed to beat us, you know? So some people got like really bad whippings from their parents and, you know, not only that, but people have gone through, traumatic experiences. Um, I know some women that were abused by even some family members and all that. And so all that they carried into their adult life. They never got counseling for it. 
until maybe they were, you know, an adult. And so those traumas can come up, you know, back or come back to haunt you. Um, even with men, you know, maybe they didn't have a father figure around. They grew up maybe with just a mother and um, they never had a father to sort of stare them a certain way. So they didn't know how to maybe react or to treat women. And so um, those experiences showed up like when they did find a part, when they found a partner or when they even got married, um, you know, they were abusive or because maybe that's what they saw in their lives. Maybe they saw their mother being abused or a family member being abused. And they thought that this was the way that how things should be. And so those kind of traumatic experiences, you do need to get counseling for that. And so I truly believe that, you know, um, yes, mental health plays a big part in narcissistic behaviors. So what part of the book did you have the hardest time writing? Well, the part about, um, you know, the, the, the marriage part, the part about uh, the financial problems part, because then you feel, you know, telling your story and of what you went through, you know, um, it's embarrassing sometimes. And so you don't want to really write the whole thing because you think people may look, as you said, you know, you, you, people may have like an opinion of you. Um, you know, when you, when you write about, you know, what you had to go through, even with the part about the, you know, me going through, um, the verbal and physical abuse, they probably would say, why would you stay in a relationship like that? Which of course, as I mentioned, you know, um, I, I did get out of it, but just even writing about that and thinking about it, it, it this was the hardest part for me. Because of course I know what I went through and um, I know what I had to enjoy, endure. And um, especially after, you know, I had uh, my, my daughter, my child, I, I, I realized that this wasn't something that, you know, I asked for, I didn't have to put up with that. And, and the, the main thing was having my child in a relationship or seeing something, although she's, she was small, she was a baby, she may not have remembered, but I didn't want my child to see any kind of, uh, you know, abuse for whether, whether it was, or hear anything, whether verbal or physical. And this was the hardest part for me to write about in the book. So what would you like people to take away or think about after reading your book? I would like, well, what I would like people to, to think about is, of course, um, just knowing that, you know, they can, they can overcome anything in, in their life, no matter, learn from their past mistakes, and they can develop strength in all areas, um, you know, don't neglect your physical and mental needs, learn from your mistakes and watch yourself grow into a strong person because for every failure you get, you can encourage yourself to do better. And, um, you know, discouragement is not the bedrock of any successful person. A successful person, you know, can recognize discouragement and they can do away with it quickly. Um, you know, discouragement feeds into our mental health and it drains us and make us feel mentally depressed. It can fuel our mind with negative emotions. So whenever we feel that things aren't going the way that we expected, we, we sit back, take a deep breath and relax. It's a common saying that good things don't come easy. 
So sometimes you need to apply more effort to get the good things that you want. And so your determination should be your driving force. Understanding what success entails will make you know what steps to take in the long run. Do not be scared of failure. And failure shouldn't be the reason why you lose hope. There are always going to be challenges and hurdles in life and that we all will have to face to become successful. And these challenges could be people, it could be laws, et cetera. But what we need to keep in mind is that progress might not happen as fast as we want. So we have to pace ourselves and there's no shortcuts to success. But once you, you know, once you, of course, put your mind and you focus on what you need to do, um, you will, you will make it, you will make it. It may take some time, but you will be, you will, you will be successful in the long run. And that's what I want people to take away. How has becoming a published author impacted your life? Well, it has gotten me more, um, it has helped me in terms of knowing more of who I am and knowing what I can do. I've gotten, uh, you know, as I said, uh, gotten um, speaking roles. I've gotten to be on panels, um, discussion panels, and um, becoming the best you panel. I went on the uh, the Black CEO panel. Um, uh, you know, so it, it's made me more, uh, it's made me bolder, I, I should say, and made me a better person in that, you know, now I'm not as, as shy. I can go out there on a stage. I can actually speak um, in front of an audience. And I want to start doing more speaking engagements. So this is what um, being an author has done for me. It has it has made me, um, it has made me b- feel better about my life and feel that I can do not even just being an author, I can do more things. I can start speaking. I can start uplifting people. I can do motivational speaking. I can inspire people. And this is what I really want to do. This is a passion of mine to inspire other young ladies and to, um, of course, maybe start my own school, you know, where I can do, I can, I can teach other young, young women uh, or inspire them to become their best self. And so this is what public speaking or being an author has done for me. Well, we're coming to the conclusion of this interview. So please, can you give us your final comments and then also tell the listeners again, your name, the title of your book and where your book can be purchased from? Yes. Um, I would love to say my my last comments would be measuring your success with others is not a wise thing to do. Your race on earth is not the same as any other person's race on earth. Everybody has a unique purpose on earth and it would be foolish. It would be a foolish thing to use others as a yardstick to determine where you're going in your life. Focus on developing yourself, comparing yourself with others will only set you up for failure. You're a woman, you're a queen. Do not let anyone dim your light. And um, my book is called The Essence of a Woman. And uh, my name is Karen Vaughn and it can be found on um, Amazon and it will, it will soon be in Barnes and Nobles. Um, not sure if they have a Barnes and Nobles in the UK, but I know they have it in the United States, but, it's, but for right now it is on Amazon.
And um, that's basically what I have to say is um, what you believe. You know, I'll leave you with my favorite quote, which is what you believe you can achieve. Well, thank you very much, Karen, for joining us on the Black Book Show this evening. I am now joined by Vicheryl Adams, who is the author of the book called He Fought, I Won. Vicheryl, please introduce yourself to the listeners on the Black Book Show. Yes, thank you so much. Again, my name is Vicheryl Adams. I am here in the United States in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and as he said, the author of He Fought, I Won. Uh, I'm also a natural health consultant. As a matter of fact, you'll find out how that came about from my book. And I am a mother of eight beautiful children. So can you now give us an, an overview of the book that you've written called He Fought, I Won? Yes, yes. He Fought, I Won is a testimonial book. It's about me, the author, how I transitioned into natural health when I was uh, literally dying from the treatment of breast cancer. And so uh, that testimony kind of tells my story of uh, how I transitioned and the, the faith that I had to use. And it's also embodied with other stories throughout my life, battles that I believe God took me through that prepared my faith to face this tragic uh, season in my life when I found out about cancer. Yes. So since this is your, your first book, what I want to know is what made you uh, decide to write the book you thought I won? Because, you know, you've overcome cancer, particularly breast cancer, but there's, you know, people that have overcome, you know, maybe have overcome cancer, but they haven't written a book, for example. So what was it that, you know, made you thought that you definitely, you know, need to, to share this story? I needed to share because going through the process of the cancer, what I uh, found out, it, it really wasn't the actual illness that I was being uh, damaged and, and just was destroying my body. What I found out, it was the, the, uh, the treatment, although the goal was to cure me with the treatment, it was actually uh, doing more damage to my body, damaging my organs and everything. And so when I met this natural doctor and he showed me an alternative and showed me through the word of God of how I can treat my body naturally and it began to work for me, I said, I can't keep this to myself because many people were dying. I hated seeing people suffering through that uh, harsh treatment, some not making it because their bodies weren't strong enough to get to the treatment. So once I found out that the things that he was telling me worked for me, I said, I can't keep this to myself. So I began to talk all over the city, uh, do seminars and workshop. And I kept doing the testimony over and over and over again. So I said, you know what? What better way to get it out even more and put it in a book? So that's what made me decide to, to write it and put it all down in a book. And, you know, when you seek natural treatment, was it by Dr. Ellie Price? Uh, yes, Dr. Dr. Lamar E. Price is my natural doctor, and he was a godsend. I did not know him. He came uh, to San Antonio for a health seminar that I was going to attend, and I got a chance to meet him one-on-one. -on -one. He did this exam, what he calls, uh, he's an iridologist and a naturalist, uh, a holistic doctor, 
and he was able to assess what was going on in my body without even knowing who I was. And I was telling him they wanted me to go through eight more months of this chemotherapy. And he said, looking at the damage that's going on at your organs and things in your body, I'll be surprised if you survive five months. And so that <laughs> definitely raised the eyebrow for me when I said, okay, I got a choice to see if uh, there's an alternative. So you mentioned chemotherapy. What I want to know more now is the kind of treatment, because you said it was having a damaging effect on your body. So obviously there was the chemo. Was you on any other like uh, medication? What kind of medication? Uh, how that was affecting your body? And you know what, the, the natural path, how you know, the, the, the natural solution that actually worked for you and how you was able to, you know, overcome cancer based on going the natural route and, and, you know, what supplements or how, how you overcome it that way. Yes. Yes. The, yes, I took several uh, doses of chemotherapy and uh, I, I was pretty healthy. I was already into, to, to different types of health. I was athletic, strong running races. And when I began to take this chemotherapy, I got to the point where I couldn't even stand up on my own. That's how damaging it began uh, to my body. It was destroying, uh, uh, damaging organs, destroying my white blood cells, which is our immune system. Right. And so I was opened up to various diseases. I went in a hospital for pneumonia. I had dehydration. I needed a blood transfusion. And so I'm like, something's not right. They're trying to cure me. Yes. But I, it seems like I'm getting worse. And so when I met Dr. Price, uh, he talked about the natural things that come from the earth that where we come from. And so first what I did, he took me through a detox, a 90 day detox to try and get all those chemicals out of my system. And so I took different uh, herbal supplements and then I began to eat clean. What I mean by clean, I had to change my diet, the things that I was consuming, uh, like the red meats and the pork and the, and the dairy and those things that was also damaging my health. I had to, to get rid of and substitute them with more unnatural uh, things, more things like uh, non-dairy products, uh, uh, brown sugars, uh, honey, and things like that. Things that are more not processed or synthetic or enriched, but more uh, in its rawest form. Okay, so you've told us about your diet. Now, you did mention, you know, herbal supplements, but you didn't, you didn't specif specify exactly what herbal supplements you started taking. So can you just let us know, you know, the herbal supplements that help you to also, you know, improve? Certainly. Yeah. One of the things, uh, herbal supplements that I was taking uh, was mullen that was helping me get rid of the excess uh, mucus in my body. I took milk thistle, which was a natural herbal uh, to help filter out and detox my liver. I took echinacea and garlic. Those things help to build back my immune system and, and garlic. Uh, I took, uh, what else? At the time, it was about 24 different uh, pills, not different kinds, but, you know, for these, for that, uh, that I would take those supplements was substituted and helped to cleanse my body. And like I said, there was uh, different green smoothies, vegetable and fruit smoothies that I would take to, to, to uh, flush out the body. Uh, there was uh, this master cleanse uh, that I took to help cleanse it out the body. So I had to kind of like detox my whole body system uh and what he was telling me because our blood 
uh, circa, it takes 90 days to regenerate new blood in our system. That's why I went on a 90 day uh, fat, uh, detox to kind of cleanse all those, those chemicals out of my system to strengthen my body. And I did see my body become stronger and stronger. I had neuropathy so bad that I couldn't hardly touch anything. And he gave me a remedy uh, with uh, orange juice, apple cider vinegar uh, to take. And I took that for several weeks and saw the nerve endings in my body begin to regenerate and become better. And another uh, tool I had to use, of course, I had to believe, I had to have faith that this is going to work, one thing. And then I stayed around positive people, a positive atmosphere, and I put laughter in my life as much as I could. Okay, what I want you to do now is, uh, is you know, for to give the listeners a bit more taste and insight into the book that you've written, could you just summarize uh, some of the different chapters of the book? Uh, certainly. Uh, the first, of course, the introduction. Now, when I originally came up uh the idea to write the book, the title was going to be um, Cancer Was No Match Against Nature. And it was strictly just talking about my process through cancer. But then I thought about this same process can be the same level of faith and process can be done with anything. So I decided to embody other battles that I went through that led up to build my faith, to believe that God can get me through this too. So in the introduction, I talk about some stories and things that I went through in my life uh, as a childhood, uh, being the youngest of four, how not having a father, uh, how that was a struggle and how that was hard growing up uh, and uh, not having that positive influence so I could have led to a a different path so you know I I got pregnant early uh, unwedded eventually got married had four kids and then the husband I married end up going to jail so I'm raising children by myself and so just different things that I went through in my life but I just saw God getting me through those different battles so I believe that's the strength that I had to believe that hey if he got me through those things I know he can get me through this. So the the first, that's the introduction. And then the next things after I talk about the things that happened to me, then I talk about the the why me? Because before that uh, faith got really strong, there was a fear. How in the world could this happen to me? You know, here it is. I'm, I'm eating healthy. I'm strong. What did I do wrong? So you go through that stage where you're wondering, is it something in your life that you did wrong that caused this to come upon you? So that that's what I talk about in the chapter that says, why does this happen to me? And then the, uh, there's a chapter. The next chapter is the process begins. And so that's when I talk about how I went through the chemo, how my body went from healthy to getting destroyed and all the different ailments that I went through and had to overcome. And then the chapter, I'll skip all the way to the end where it's called, he turned lemons to lemonade. Because after I met Dr. Price and I learned, like I said, of this process, uh, I, I had to share it. I, I began to study more. I began to, I went to school and got my certification uh, as a natural health consultant. I began to study about the different medications, the different natural medicines, the different alternatives that didn't have adverse side effects. That is actually the things that uh, 
helped destroy many of, uh, of our people because of the side effects of that pharmaceutical medicine. And so I began to learn alternatives that they can take and not just for cancer. And so from there, it de got developed a business called Bashiro's Healthy House. And so I talk about that in the book, how he took all of the things that I went through from a fatherless uh, child, uh, unwedded mother, a single parent, a husband went to jail. I, he took all of those battles and he turned them in for my good and created something that I could give back with experience and stories to tell others that if I made it through these things, you can too. This is how I did it. And that's what it talks about. I mean, in a couple of the chapters, even you mentioned it, you know, it, it gets kind of personal. Um, how was it, you know, writing about these personal experiences in, in your life? Was it hard or challenging? It was very challenging. Uh, it was a couple of times where I was trying to talk to the editor about some of the experiences I went through in detail. And I had to ask them to just erase that because it got, I got so emotional and I got, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, do I want my children to really know that I went through this? And there was even uh, with my siblings, uh, the, the fear of them misunderstanding my message, you know, that it wasn't an attack as to what was happening, but a feeling that I was going through at the time. Uh, not necessarily the way I feel now, but I'm I'm expressing my childhood feelings and and bringing it into reality. And so it, it was even a little controversy that I had to kind of clear up <laughs> with some of the readers of the of, of my family and friends to say, look, this is not. If you look at it, it on the perspective that I'm telling my story, I'm telling you how I felt at that time. Whether my feelings were valid or not, this is how I felt. And this is how I, where I am now. We have the love, we have the peace and joy, and I have overcome all of that. So when they looked at it more as a testimony and not, you know, something that was just putting my business out there, then it was, it was different. Who is your book written for? And, you know, what impact do you want your book to have on the reader? Um, the impact I want, the book is written for anyone who, who may be facing any type of battles. Because, uh, you know, sometimes in my, in my uh, webinars, I say, what is your cancer? See, cancer is defined as an evil, malignant thing that spreads dangerously. So that can be many things. So anyone who can go through that, know that you can get through it by through faith and belief. And the other message I want them to know is those who are going through cancer, that there are alternatives. You may not choose to take the alternative, but unlike I didn't at first know that there was one out there, at least you know that there's another way. There's an, an alternative to the harsh medicine that you're taking. Uh, and so I want them to know that that is available when reading my book. So, you know, you've mentioned that you're now a natural health consultant, which is, you know, come as a result of your experience. Um, um, do you offer, you know, advice, service or support for people specifically suffering with breast cancer? Yes, I do. Uh, the Cheryl's Healthy House, as a certified natural health consultant, again, what I do, you can uh, register, just 
for a, a minor fee and speak to me one-on-one. -on -one. And based on the things that you're going through, whether it's you want a diet plan, you want to change your lifestyle of eating, you want to go natural, you're vegan, or whatever it is your goal is, I, I can help guide you through. Even if you want to know uh, what type of natural supplements could help with what you're going through. Let's say someone continues to do the chemotherapy. I can uh, tell, talk about natural alternatives to strengthen up that immune system while you're going through that. So yes, I do and are able to do some some one-on-one -on -one consultation and give suggestions uh, on what you can do. You mentioned, you know, there's a website. What's that website address and how does someone, you know, register? Do they simply just go on the website that you're about to provide and, and, and register there? Yes, yes. My Bichero's Healthy House, my website is very simple. It's bichero.com. Uh, that's my name, B-E-C-H-E-R-Y-L, bichero.com. That'll pull up Bichero's Healthy House. And there's a button there that says jumpstart. And that's where you would go. Uh, to register or, or subscribe to a one-on-one a, a -on -one consultation. Okay, well, we're coming to a conclusion of the interview. So please give us your final comments and tell the listeners again your name, the title of your book, and where your book can be purchased from. Yes. Again, the name is Vishiro Adams. That's V-E, Cheryl. Vishiro Adams. The name of my book is He Fought, I Won. It's a testimonial for someone, for uh, an overcomer of cancer. You can purchase the book on Amazon.com is the easiest way. It's a very long link. So the easiest way on Amazon.com is to go to the search button and type in Becheryl Adams, B-E-C-H-E-R-Y-L Adams, and then the book will come up. He fought I won. Currently, it's an ebook. You can get it downloaded on your computer, your iPhone, uh, Android, uh, Kindle, or even downloaded on your computer. And stay tuned for the hard copy, what I'm looking forward to come out uh, by the end of January. Well, thanks for joining us, Cheryl, on this edition of the Black Book Show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time. I'm now joined with Ia Ife Michelle Milligan, who is the author of the book called Divine Reflections at the Crossroads. Welcome, Ia, to the Black Book Show. We're going to talk about your book in a moment, but before we do that, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, greetings, everyone. My name's Ia Ife Michelle Milligan. I am very happy to be here, very honored to be here. I am an E.L. Orisha, a licensed clinical social worker and a certified holistic life coach, currently living in the Virginia Beach, Virginia area, but originally from St. Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and very happy to be here with all of you to share on my book, Divine Reflections at the Crossroads. So you mentioned that you're an E.L. Risha. What is that? I'm, I'm hoping I pronounced that correct, but correct me if I, I didn't quite <laughs> pronounce it correctly. But and also, please tell us what it is. Yes. So, yes, he did pronounce it correctly. Um, and Iyala Risha is a priest or a priestess who has been initiated into the Ifa tradition. I am initiated by way of Lukumi, 
Uh, I was initiated in Cuba many years ago. And an E.L. Arisha is basically a priest who has God children. So when you're initiated as an Olorisha, once you crown or you initiate other individuals in the tradition, then you're considered an Ialorisha. So Ia is basically mother, and Ialorisha is mother who possesses Orishas. And so that is who I am, an Ialorisha. Now, we have many people that listen to the Black Book Show from all over the world, and many of them will not be familiar with the Ifa tradition. So without going into too much detail, could you just give like a brief description and just ex- explain, you know, what is Ifa? So Ifa tradition is one that originated in West Africa um, by way of the, the Yoruba uh, people. Um, and so it's more than just a religion. It's a tradition. It's a culture. It's a way of life. Um, and it was the religion that survived through the Middle Passage. The enslaved Africans brought the tradition and the religion and the language and the music uh, with them and were able to um, um, preserve their religion um, by way of utilizing other religions um, and were able to then preserve what what was practiced. And here we are, you know, thousands and thousands of years later, able to practice this this tradition um, because they were able to to do so, to preserve it. So that is so what you find. Another thing you mentioned is, you know, that you're a, a certified holistic life coach. Could you tell us how you became a um, a certified holistic life coach? So I was originally a licensed clinical social worker, which is what I am now currently by profession. And so I've been a licensed clinical social worker for almost 27 years. Um, but it was about six or seven years ago that I decided to get my certification as a holistic life coach. And so the holistic life coach component really helps one to look at the the entire picture um, to understand that in order for us to be well, we have to um, engage all of, you know, the different types of care and wellness. Um, And so I thought it would be a wonderful addition to um, my mental health practice because, you know, as you may know, mental health primarily deals with mental health conditions, um, but the holistic approach allows one to really um, engage other parts of their lives to determine, you know, how they can be better supported in their wellness. And also it is, I find a lot more empowering um, because it actually helps one to see uh, ways to uh, move forward um, and to uh, create movement and to engage more in healing and setting goals. Um, So I believe that it's a wonderful complement to my mental health practice. And that is one of the reasons why I decided to also, you know, uh, uh, pursue my, my, my certification as a life coach.
let's now focus on your book, Divine Reflections at the Crossroads. Please, can you give an overview of the book? So Divine Reflections at the Crossroads was basically conceived out of my awakening um, or my reawakening, right? Because I am of the belief that we have many awakenings within our awakening and we have many awakenings throughout our lifetime as we ascend and as we evolve and we experience life in different dimensions. And so for me, um, I was at a place where within my practice, uh, my spiritual practice, the veneration of ancestors is a very important piece because the idea is that they are the ones that we come from, right? They're the shoulders that we stand on and that our ancestors are very much invested in their lineage. You know, they want to see us do well. Um, there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge and insight that can be um, uh, gathered from, from them um, that they can assist us with in helping to break intergenerational cycles and to promote healing. And so I was at a crossroads. I was at a place where I realized that there were things that I was experiencing within my life and also things that I was observing within the lives of my family members that I distinctly knew were ancestrally related. I knew that there needed to be that ancestral component. And prior to this, I had a pretty extensive ancestral practice. But it was one particular evening where I realized that despite the fact that I had my initiations, I had done my personal development work, I had done my healing work, my mental health, my own mental health work. I realized the missing piece was engaging my ancestors because the cycles and the patterns that I was witnessing, I knew that they were directly connected to, to them. Therefore, they needed to be a part of the conversation and part of the resolution. And so it was one particular evening that I engaged with them in such a way that it really um, created a spark. I felt an immediate sh shift in my, my awareness. And from that experience, I then was able to um, experience them more intimately and receive divine guidance throughout what I call the crossroads of my life, which are not only crossroads that I experience, I think we all experience them in our healing journey. But for me, um, part of what was beautiful was that as I crossed through the different crossroads, I was able to do so with their guidance and the messages they provided to support me along the way. And what I did is I documented that which I received, um, the divine messages. And um, after several years, I realized I had this information that I wanted to not only, you know, share with my family, but to share with others, to share with my community and, and, and also with those that I felt could benefit from it. And so hence Divine Reflections at the Crossroads is the book that came out of that experience. 
And so it's really reflections, but more so divine reflections, divine messages that came from my ancestors at the crossroads of my life that helped me to reach a place of healing and of growth and of peace and of a new place of existence. And, um, and it's been, you know, it's been wonderful to, to be in a place to be able to share. And this is where my book came from. So what do you wish for others to gain by reading this book? And who is the book aimed at? That's a really good question. So what I would like for others to gain from the book is to be able to experience their own individual healing that comes through the messages. So as I mentioned, these are messages that came to me from my ancestors. But what I'm finding is that the feedback that I'm getting from individuals that read the book is that they're able to relate um, in ways that they feel supported as well by their ancestors and they feel more connected to spirit and to their ancestors as well, as if their ancestors are speaking to them and guiding them. And so what I really would desire is for anyone that picks up the book to experience the healing that's necessary for them in this lifetime, um, just to be able to make a difference and to be able to support those who are in need, those who are feeling sad, those who are feeling helpless, those that are feeling powerless, those that are feeling lonely, those that are feeling isolated. I think when people read my book, they realize that we're all connected. You know, as I say, none of us are exempt. You know, we all have to go through this thing called life. No matter where you are, who you are, how many titles, how many degrees, how much preparation you have, life still happens. And so what I, what I love is that when people pick up my book and read it, they realize that we're all in the same boat. And there's so much that we can share with each other to be able to support each other. And so in terms of who I would like for this book to reach anyone that needs it. And that's the feedback that I've been getting as well. It's been surprising because I've, I have, you know, teenagers and young adults reaching out to me, telling me how they were able to really gain insight from the book. And then I have those that are older, you know, also able to appreciate the knowledge. And so I want the book to reach who it is intended, who it is divinely intended to reach, who needs the information, who needs the support, who needs the love and who needs the guidance. What did you learn from writing this book and how does this book make you feel? Oh my goodness. I learned so much <laughs> from beginning to, to and I'm still I'm still learning. It is still a process. Um and so you know what's interesting is that as I was writing the book, I didn't even realize I was writing a book because what I was doing was I was trying to 
um, document and, and remember and journal that which was coming to me from my ancestors. And I would share it from time to time, you know, different posts on social media over the years. And then when I looked back, I realized, wow, I have a book in front of me. So it was almost as though they had me writing the book, but I didn't even know I was writing it. So there was so much of this that was actually spiritually guided. And I was not as aware as I thought I was until I looked back and realized you know, sometimes we ask for things, we pray for things, we wish for things, and we don't even realize that these things are unfolding right in front of us. And this was one of these experiences. So I looked up one day and I said, wow, I have a book. And I decided I wanted to share in this experience with my brother. So my brother, whose name is Mark L. Milligan, is the artist who designed the cover and also there are nine pieces original pieces in the book that he uh, included to help me um, capture the essence of the healing at the crossroads and so my brother and I collaborated together in this book and so it you know in terms of an ancestral um experience, you know, I was able to share this with my biological brother. And um, one thing that I learned the most with this book is to trust, to trust in the divine timing of things, to trust in um, the supreme being, a higher source, to trust in my ancestors, to trust in my own um, intuition, to trust that I am being guided, to trust that all will unfold when it's time. Another big part for me in terms of what I learned was patience. Patience, patience, and more patience. <laughs> because again, everything happens in divine time. And so I found myself constantly having to just remind myself of that. And there were so many times that I picked up my own book, specifically prior to it being published. And even afterwards, I still do. I pick it up and I will read my own book for a reminder. And so what my book does for me is it helps to ground me in who I am. It helps to remind me of who I am because so many times in life, you know, we get distracted. We get distracted and we, we get caught up in all the insignificant parts of life. And, you know, we tend to engage in what I consider lower vibrational frequencies. You know, we may live in fear. We may live in anger. We may live in sadness. And what my book helps me to remember is, you know, it encourages me to vibrate higher. It encourages me to reconnect with the divine. It encourages me to reconnect with spirit, with my ancestors. It reminds me of my own power. And that is another thing that I also want those that read the book to remember is how powerful they are. Because what I find is a lot of people walk around not even realizing how powerful they are. They forget. And so even within my mental health practice, you know, 
You can talk about your traumas all day long. You can take psychotropic medications. You can, you know, do all these other modalities. But unless you're able to remember how powerful you are, it doesn't make a difference because all of that is just temporary. So for me, another big lesson was just remembering how powerful I was and remembering that I came here to this earth with a purpose. And I had to get out my own way to be able to allow the divine to share my purpose with the world. So a lot of it was surrendering. A lot of it was vulnerability. So when you ask me what I learned, I learned so much. And I still continue to learn so much. So I am so grateful because this book for me has been more healing than what pe most people realize. So another thing that I ask is, you know, about the book and how it makes you feel. So maybe when writing or when you reflect on your book, how do, how do you feel? When I reflect on my book, I feel peaceful. I'm still in awe. Like, I still can't believe it actually happened. Because like I said one day, I go, I'm going to, you know, I have this, I have this book in front of me. I'm going to publish this book. Mind you, I had no, I had no idea. Like, I didn't know the first thing about publishing a book. <laughs> I didn't even know where to start. And again, it all unfolded. And I was able to find a publisher who was, um, you know, supportive and really assisted me with the process. Um, but when I reflect back on my book, when I pick up my own book, I feel at peace. I feel at peace. I feel grounded. I feel humbled. And I feel honored. Those are the, those, those are, I think the best descriptions for what I feel when I reflect back on my book and when I have my book, um, because, you know, for me, my book is medicine. And uh, that's one of the reasons why on the cover of the book, there's a picture of a woman who I've called divine, who is holding a calabash. And the calabash is known to be that ancestral portal of wisdom that, that holds medicine. So for me, when I, when I hold my book, when I reflect back on my book, when I read my book for me that's the medicine that i need in that moment what advice do you have for others that are striving for wellness don't give up and also to consider yourself well to consider yourself whole to remember that you're not broken to open yourself to the possibilities of being even more well. Not succumbing to the idea that you're not enough. Recognizing that you are part of something that is so much greater than you can even imagine. And that, that, that being, that energy, thought that the world and knew that the world needed you. Therefore, your existence is intentional. Therefore, you are meant to be here. Therefore, you are meant to serve this world and others and yourself in a very intentional and powerful way. So as far as wellness, there's so many different factors 
But one of the things I find is that a lot of times individuals really fail to care for themselves. And to, when I say care for themselves, I'm not speaking distinctly about getting a massage or getting a pedicure, manicure, or like doing a spa day. All that is beautiful. But also about just putting yourself first at times as needed. It's not selfish because I always say you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to fool yourself up first. You have to fill yourself up and then you give to others. So it's really about looking at ways that you need to take care of you and then give to others. And so it's about reconnecting to your, your, your sense of power, but also it's about setting boundaries and um, learning how to engage more with what it is that you need to be more holistically well in this lifetime. So can you elaborate more on, you know, some of the things that you find that prevent others from healing and evolving? I believe one of the things that I've encountered the most is fear. Fear and guilt. And, you know, I always say guilt lives in the past, fear lives in the future, right? And so one of the best ways to overcome those emotions is to be in the present. A lot of times when we feel guilty, we're reflecting back on the past. And the past is the past. And it may still reside within us, but the past no longer exists, right? The future hasn't arrived yet. But a lot of times we're fearful because of what we anticipate in the future. And so for me, one of the things that I, I myself, because believe me, what I share with others, I make sure I take my own medicine first. <laughs> I make sure I practice what I preach. I don't share with other people what I don't do for myself. And so one of the things that I do within my own holistic practice, and I always encourage my clients to do is to practice mindfulness. So staying in the moment as much as possible. Whenever you feel fearful, whenever you feel anxious, whenever you feel guilt, bring yourself back into the present, into this very, very moment. Not what happened an hour ago or may, what may happen in an hour from now, right? So being in the moment, paying attention to your breath, bringing awareness to where you are, that helps one to also be more mindful of themselves and reconnect with themselves, which then promotes healing. And so I think that one of the things that keeps uh, individuals from really experiencing healing is some of those emotions. Um, also, you know, I always encourage folks to retell their story through a different lens. A lot of times if we've experienced trauma, we get caught up on the whole story. Like we retell our story through the same lens. But as we evolve, we are able to see life from different perspectives. And it's through those perspectives that we can also, um, you know, shift our experiences, even through the trauma. So I always tell folks to really reconsider telling your story through a different lens, from a different perspective. What has been the best part 
of your journey as an author so far? The best part has been, I believe, the way in which the book has been able to impact lives. When I get feedback from other people, when I hear from other people and their experiences, the things that they have, what they, what they read. So in other words, when I share from the book, it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the way that someone else perceives it or experiences it, right? So just hearing other people share how they experienced it, what the words meant to them, what they felt, how it moved them, how it impacted them, the feelings that were that were experienced, all of that I think has been the best part for me. It's just knowing that the book has been able to touch lives more so than I even expected to tell you the truth. Because again, as you're writing, you're focused on what you're writing. You're not necessarily thinking about how others are going to experience it. And so that is... I believe what has been the most beautiful. Another thing I wanted to add to you asked me about what has this book taught me? And it's also taught me that vulnerability is okay. It's okay to be vulnerable because through being vulnerable is when we open ourselves up to experiencing things that we can't even begin to imagine. You know, the beauty of life comes through experiencing, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. And so I think that has been the best part for me thus far. Well, we're coming to a conclusion of this interview. But before we go, please, can you give us your final comments and tell the listeners on the Black Book Show, again, your name, the title of your book, and where they can purchase your book from? Yes. So, again, my name is um, Ia Ife Michelle Milligan. On the book, it says Ife Michelle Milligan. And the title of my book is Divine Reflections at the Crossroads. Also, I want to mention that, again, the art in the book and the cover design was done by my brother, Mark L. Mark Fajal Milligan. Um, and so the book is available at, on Amazon. Um, soon will be also available on books um, or Ingram Sparks, I think is the name of it. But for now, it's available on Amazon. Okay, thanks, Ia, for joining us on the Black Book Show this evening. Thank you so much for having me. This has been beautiful. I appreciate you and the work that you're doing to support those who are out here uh, writing books. So thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it.